Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, Leslie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here today. Hi, Beth. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be an awesome episode that we're going to really be focusing in on sight words, high frequency words. We're going to talk about what we call them now and why things are changing a little bit. So I'm really excited to just have you on and share your experience, your wealth and wisdom when it comes to working with English language learners and specifically focusing on sight words. So let's start off. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your educational experience and what you're doing right now? Well, I work in a district in the Finger Lakes area of New York State. I've been here for 10 years. I specifically focus on students K through two, but I have taught all the grades and sometimes I'm teaching older grades. It just depends on the year. I co-teach because I'm in New York State and it's also a best practice. And I also do pullouts with my students in small groups. I'm pretty blessed because I have a low incidence number of students and my small groups tend to be just anywhere from one to four students at a clip. Last year, I had about 11 total students. I'm looking at about the same number this year. Great. Yes. And Leslie's also an expert in co-teaching. So we might have her back on the show to share a little bit more about how she runs her co-teaching with her homeroom teachers, because you've done really well at that too. So awesome. Well, we're going to dive right in because we have a lot to cover today. So why don't we start with, there's a whole big push now for science of reading and things 
are changing a little bit here and there. I know a lot of teachers are feeling that stress of all of a sudden having to know all of this that's going on and all the changes and applying it this year, it can be really stressful. And especially when we involve our English language learners, because they do learn in a different way than our monolingual students. So let's just talk a little bit about why it's important to focus on sight words, the difference between sight words and high frequency words. Just share a little bit more about your knowledge around that. Okay. Well, what I know about sight words is that it's vital for our students to be learning how to read. And when you learn sight words, you're reducing your cognitive load when you attack bigger words. And especially when you have students that English is not their first language and they're learning it, there's a lot of barriers for them when they're reading. There's they don't understand the context or how, how the word is being used. The syntax and the grammar might be different for them. Also, the vocabulary, background knowledge. So all of those things come together to create hurdles for our, our L students. If you can reduce the load of cog- cognitive load when you're reading and you already have a whole bank of words that you can quickly get through and know by sight, then that you're able to focus and put your cognitive efforts into the things that you don't know and the things that you're struggling with or just learning. I love that. Yes, absolutely. I love that definition too. You know, we really want to focus on how can we lighten the load on our ELLs and how can we give them some of those tools so that it is easier. You're, you know, we hit that on the head exactly because think about reading a sentence when you see T-H-E, they're trying to sound it out. <laughs> and it's, they realize, I can't say, I don't know what this word is. They're stuck on this simple word that if they begin to just see it and know that that word is the immediately, they can go on to the next word, which might need some decoding skills involved. But yeah, absolutely. Just that kind of alleviating some of those frustrational things of learning this very difficult language of English. Absolutely. And I've worked with a lot of students whose sight words really were what they gained that confidence in reading because it was easier for them to pick up seeing it and knowing that word over phonics. It can be really tricky for our ELL students. Absolutely. And that's where the traditional methods of the balanced literacy and whole word, whole language approach. And that can be looking at the language and looking at a word as a whole and just memorizing it and not breaking it down. And when we did some of those things as teachers, we found some good success with them. If they're able to memorize the word the, they're not coming up to it and trying to decode like you were saying. However, I have had many students who come to that word the And they're still decoding because they're just not able to capture it in their memory that way. So pulling in that science of reading approach and working on the phonics and looking at patterns across words and breaking it down into the parts and what are things I'll have to memorize and really focusing on those things in combination with what we already know will help our students become even more successful. Absolutely. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? 
I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. So tell me a little bit, is there a difference between sight words and high frequency words? What's your opinion about that? Oh, absolutely. There's a difference. And I am someone who uses those two words interchangeably and will probably drive some people nuts on this podcast right now. So I just want to say, I know what the difference is. I absolutely can have a, an educated discussion about that, but my vernacular is just using high frequency words and sight words, those two things combined, but let's actually break it down. So people know that we know what we're talking about. So A high frequency word is just that. It is a word that occurs most commonly in the English language. And people like Dolch and Fry and other people have created those lists. They analyzed text, they went to the data, and they pulled out the words that are the most frequently used ones. Those are called high frequency words. Those are words like in and the all of those. However, those are not sight words. A sight word is when you take a high frequency word and know it by sight. I'm using my air quotes there. Yeah. And I even had a great quote from Kilpatrick, David Kilpatrick. So a sight word is a word that's instantly and effortly recalled from memory, regardless of whether it's phonically regular or irregular. So it's something that a student can recognize instantly and, again, reduce their cognitive load to get to make it easier for them to read the rest of the text. Exactly. Exactly. So it's that focusing on the automaticity of that, of them recalling it without, you know, any hesitation. Again, the goal is to make your high frequency words become sight words. Exactly. There's the connector piece. Exactly. So. Let's talk about some ways that we can work on sight words with our ELLs to meet their needs, because it is a really powerful tool and it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, this is, I know in your lessons, you were saying just five to 10 minutes sometimes, you know, if you have more time, yes, but I know a lot of teachers feel that kind of stress on their shoulders of adding in now phonics lessons, sight word lessons, along with language, and then, you know, modifying content. So there's a lot on the plate of ESL teachers. So how can we still prioritize this language development in reading? Because it is so critical for our ELs to get these skills. And sometimes it can be difficult for them. So how, what would you recommend that are some ways we can work on sight words with our ELs? Well, I have taught sight words a a lot of different ways. I teach them whole group actually as part of my co-teaching. Part of what I do is I combine the phonics and the sight words instruction into my whole group instruction when I'm co-teaching. And that has been great because it's very systematic what we're doing. My school uses a certain program. And so 
we for the phonics portion, and I'm really familiar with that. And I'm able to then in my Polak group support the phonics in that way. However, this year our school is actually going to map out the sight words or high frequency words to match the phonics lessons that we're teaching. And I'm so excited because I've been wanting that to happen for a few years so that it makes more sense for all of our learners, especially our ENL students. When they're seeing these random words out there, they don't have connections and they are not following the same patterns. And they're like, why, why do I learn this word? And then all of a sudden we're switching to a lesson on digraphs. The word calm shouldn't be in the same breath with a digraph lesson. So you can teach them, obviously, whole group. I use my smart board. You could use a chart paper. There's a lot of different techniques for it. The thing I want to say, though, for our L's and for our non-L's, systematic instruction of them needs to happen. And it doesn't need to take a lot of time. I can do my whole sight word lesson in five minutes, five to 10 minutes. If we're in front of the whole class, we do it every day. and I've banged it out. The kids know them. And it's a great intro, actually, to your other lessons that you're doing. When I do them in small group, I like to start my lessons with a, like, let's do a review or let's do a quick practice of them so that it's not taking the whole lesson. It's really that intro part. Or we're starting with the phonics lesson and oh, look at all these sight words that actually go with this. So that's how I generally teach them. And I think that's a, an important point to make and a shift that hopefully is happening in many schools. You know, I know when I was teaching sight words with my first graders, we had little booklets and we would just go through that list of those dolch words and starting at one through 10. Okay, this week, these are the words you're memorizing and realizing, you know, with all things with our ELLs, especially with all of our students, but when things can be learned in context, that is when you're going to have greater results. And so if we can connect our sight words to the phonics patterns that they're learning, that's going to make so much more sense to them. And that's going to help their brain to really comprehend the phonics skill that can be really tricky for them, but also gain that automaticity with the sight words that we want them to be working on. So I think that that's a powerful approach to helping our students is to really find those connections and not just feel that we have to be stuck to this list that was created, you know, of of going through that list. Now, of course, there's going to be, you're going to start with more simpler words for kindergarten or beginning readers, but you can find a way to pull in the phonic piece about that as well. Yep. And they do recommend like they being just researchers and people that I've been reading that you do just start with a small bank that is words they're really going to see all the time. A teacher I work with has done a great job of tying her sight words to her writing curriculum. So she wants to start with I like, because it's something the kids always want to write about themselves. I and like, so we're teaching those. And then we see to and the come right after that. So you can really teach a whole bunch of those. That's even really around the time when we're starting just basic letters and sounds. We're teaching still words because Hopefully, your students have seen a word before. 
Not every student has, not every student has been doing a lot of reading, but it's out in the world and you can teach a word and then go back and really break it down for them once you get into those phonics-based words a little later on. Now let's hit on that for just a minute, Leslie. Something that I really saw the shift with science of reading is the orthographic mapping piece to high-frequency words. And so seeing that they're not just all, there's actually a, a majority of them that are decodable or that have a phonics piece that, you know, teaching the brain how to break apart these sight words or these high frequency words so that they can apply them then to other areas and other words. That's the whole goal, right? Not just that they memorize this one standalone word, and then it doesn't help them apply it to anything else, especially as they read higher level text. And so will you share a little bit about what orthographic mapping is? Absolutely. So orthographic mapping is also based on phonological awareness and that phonological piece. So you're taking the sounds in the words and you're maybe tapping them out or you're dividing them up into what are the sounds in the words. So if you have, for instance, the word can, you have three sounds. Orthographic means we're now bringing it down to what are the letters that are associated with those sounds. So for can, you have can. Mm. And each letter, actually, the sound of the letter that and the short A and the N, it's a really easy word. You can tap it out. The letters match the sounds. You're good. That's what like a word that you could quickly know. But that's also a pattern, that and pattern. You're going to learn that and apply that everywhere in your reading. And that's actually one of the very beginning patterns that we teach our students, L's or non-L's. However, when you get to a word like the, we have three letters in that word, but there are two sounds. And for a brand new learner or someone who's new to reading, you're going to find that they don't have the TH sound already. And especially for an L, that's going to be a totally different sound, maybe that they've ever made. So you've got that. And that's something you're going to have to know by heart. You have to explicitly teach it. And then your E makes an uh sound. So when I do orthographic mapping on the word the, I have two boxes right under the word or two boxes and we put the TH in the first box with a little heart underneath, and we put the E in the second box with a heart underneath. And what that's telling the student is that both the TH is something that they don't know already, they don't know that pattern, and the uh sound for your E is also something they don't know already. Now, the cool thing about orthographic mapping, though, is that eventually some of those hearts will go away for them. So down the road, when you all of a sudden start teaching your digraphs and you have all these TH patterns that you're teaching, we've already taught the word the at the beginning of the year because it's one of the most frequent words out there. You're going to look at it. You're going to go back to that list. Hey, any of these words over here have that TH in them? Oh, the word the does. We, so we know that now. We have learned that phonics pattern. Let's take the heart off of that. 
What about the uh sound for E? Does that follow any of our phonics rules or patterns? Not really. Let's leave it there. And that's a word that you're always going to have that there because there's no rhyme or reason for why it has that on there. But another great, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just thinking about, this is like my favorite grouping of words is the he, she, be, we grouping because you get so much bang for your buck on it. And it's a consonant vowel grouping sometimes consonant, consonant, vowel, doesn't matter, but you can teach them all together. The orthographic mapping becomes very easy. The kids then can see that pattern and they're just like, whoa, all of these words and are so similar. And I love that light bulb moment for my students because it so rarely happens when they're learning English and the English phonics patterns. Yes, absolutely. And I think you know, something to highlight that's important when we're when we're working with our students in this is to not be afraid to introduce some of those higher level phonics skills. Like you're saying, if you have the introducing that th, you know, I was I taught my daughter last year. I homeschooled her in kindergarten, and so we just started with that right away of doing the th. Okay, you get to stick out your tongue when you see the th, and so now it's very common for. Not that I would have. I did a whole lesson on all the h brothers and all this stuff. It was just. In this moment, this is an appropriate time to highlight, hey, the TH, when you see it together, makes this sound. And so I think we need to be have awareness of how can we bring in even higher level phonics, because then as they gain exposure, they might not master that yet. But like you're saying, when they get to that diagraph, they're going to be able to think back and go, oh, the has TH and the says, you know, at the beginning. And so pulling that in. That's what we want. We want their brains to be building that schema. We want their brains to be able to connect across lessons, across words and play around with those sounds so that they have that understanding that's deep within them. And, you know, not just they're waiting for the teacher to tell them the next phonics skill and oh, digraphs. We don't get there till middle of first grade. So we're not covering that, you know? So I think that's the beauty of doing sight words in this way is really there's, it lends itself to so many opportunities to expose students to a variety of phonic skills in a yeah, really simple, I quick way. I was, was going to say that the connections that they're able to make in those exposures. And as we know, how many times does it take to learn a new word when it's a vocabulary word? But it's similar to, in that vein when you're learning any type of new information when you're learning a new phonics skill. So why not introduce it and say, I know this is kind of crazy, but this TH, just so you know, put that little nugget in your back pocket, because we're going to come back to that later on in this year. And we're going to dive deep at that point. But just so you know, and they, you'll see kids trying it out in different places and you're like, oh, okay, this one, it's not really working there, or it does work there. And it's really cool. And it, again, it's good for the kids to be exposed and don't shy away from actually telling them what the pattern is and just say, maybe we'll get to that later, but you should know that this actually happens now. And I will say, I've seen an increase in spelling skills as well through doing this type of work with high frequency words with my daughter, you know, like the word R that's a really tricky word, A-R-E, you hear only the letter R. And so as we did some orthographic mapping with that, we did right. a lot of- R would have one box. One box, you know, <laughs> unless you do 
I mean, the AR, then you get the bossy R, but it's just very tricky to know, like, okay, you hear one sound, R, <laughs> so, but there's two, there's three letters. And working with her and doing different activities, you know, with sensory activities, Play-Doh, doing different motions, really now she has been able to spell that word without any problems because she really spent the time kind of analyzing the word and working with it and, and really looking at how this word is. So I've seen that it's really boosted spelling, which I know is a struggle for a lot of our students is a lot of our students. Definitely. You know, you finally tackle your decoding, you finally tackle some sight words, and now you people want me to spell it. And, and this will break it down. And you're teaching those within phonics patterns. You know, one of the reasons I love sight words and have always sort of had a running theme of really focusing on sight words. You know, I'm in the early literacy years, but it also was a great place for me to slide right in into the co-teaching environment and have something known that I was going to be teaching in that room every day. I don't have to plan that much with my teachers and I like to co-plan with them for sure, but having to co-plan content when so much of your content at those grade levels is actually phonics and reading and basic skills. How about if I take a piece of that, we present it collaboratively and they do a lot of the reinforcement work, but it's been really helpful. Another reason I love the sight words for our students, our L's, is that they are often those tricky words for them to even understand how to use in our language. So words that are like prepositions, to, of, in, all of those words, you have to teach them in context how to use that. Those are the ones that are the most difficult when you're learning a language. Pronouns. So things like that. And that this is giving that explicit instruction in how to use them. Well, yeah, that's such a great point. You're you're so right on with that. The pronouns, the prepositions, words that really are can be kind of a abstract and you know, it's really hard for some of our students to connect to. So having that explicit instruction opportunity is is huge. You can't directly translate them either. So something that I love to do, obviously, when I'm teaching vocabulary is to translate it. And isn't that great? Well, try doing that with all of your sight words when they use a different type of pronoun in a different way across a bunch of different scenarios, then we would use it. And they're now more confused. So it is difficult to, to evenly translate. Yes. Yes. It is hard to pull in the, the L1, especially Spanish speaker. You know, I'm just thinking of the, okay, L la, that's what this translates to, but it's in such a different context that they use the word the compared to how we use it in English. There's more weight on it in Spanish. So All right. So Leslie, why don't you, because I know you have a routine, like you were saying that you kind of do five to 10 minutes warm up, you know, it's, you don't spend a ton of time going in depth, but you, you get a lot done in that five to 10 minutes because you have a routine set up. So would you mind walking us through what does that routine look like? What do you really incorporate or what do you think is the most important things to incorporate? I would love to go through that. So the routine is something that I built over time with my co-teachers But when I do it on my own with my own students, it sometimes looks a little bit different. So it really depends on the day of the week, how we're presenting it. We always look at the words. We always practice them every day. We practice saying them. 
but I'm so excited to be bringing in the orthographic mapping piece this year into our sight word instruction. We will be building a day in where we're focusing on the actual mapping of that word. We write them, we have emotion with them. So the big thing that I wanted to talk about is the motions. This year, I'm also pairing those motions more thoughtfully and using ASL signs, the signs with them. I have used other programs that have cards that have motions on them, such as the snap words, but those aren't ASL signs. And so they're not actually getting you more bang for your buck. When I teach my students the ABCs, we use sign language. So, and that's a really big part of it because it gives them another queuing system, another way of another access point. It's giving you that motion part of your brain. And I often use it just to remind my students if I hold up the A sign, they're like, oh, ah, okay. And that's great. So having the ASL signs that go with the words are fantastic. Not all words have ASL signs with them. However, a lot of like he and she would be the same. They don't use modifiers. They don't use certain prepositions or maybe it's not prepositions, but pronouns can be a little different. So you can make up a a motion to go with it. You can ask the kids to help out with that. And then that gives them a huge buy-in. So for me, it's looking at the words. I also put a picture with my word, something that makes sense to the kids. This is where I found that other programs maybe weren't quite hitting the nail on the head for my students all the time because just the picture was a weird context or it wasn't grabbing enough or it made the the actual word look really weird if you have the word within it, because you do want them to be able to see this is what it actually looks like. And this is where I'm blending that whole word and and balanced literacy approach, where we're going to look at the word, we're going to see a picture of it, and we're going to practice it. And that is 100% fine to do. Is that a piece of memorizing it? Yes. But again, we need to turn these words into sight words that you know quickly. So we will absolutely do the orthographic mapping and talk about the phonics concept either on day one or day two. And I often then will do things like a mix it, fix it, which is a Jan Richardson technique. So again, pulling in other things, this is where what I love to do is I've got your skyline, all the proper lines on the board. I write the word. I make poor handwriting choices. I leave letters out. I make things uppercase when they're supposed to be lowercase. I put too many of a letter or I spell it phonetically. And this is a great opportunity for your L's and your non-L's to contribute to the learning. The kids look at me in there and we teach them, how do you actually give somebody constructive feedback? So they go through this whole trait. Oh, you did a good job, Mrs. T, but you need to have all your letters lowercase or your letter is way above the, the grass line. And so it looks like a balloon. It's hanging up there, but having kids actually be able to say all of those things, that's like a speaking exercise for your L's. And our, so when I do that whole group, the non L's 
are modeling how to do this for the elves. And so it's so exciting when you see that your LT kids hand go up and they work on it and they're like volunteer, which we know can be really rare and really risky for them. It also teaches kids words like before and after. So if you're mixing up your, the word fun, for instance, and you make it a uppercase or the U is first and you say, the kids have to say, actually, the F comes first, the U comes after it, the N is at the end. So you're teaching all of those types of words as well, which is in concepts, which is huge. So you get a little bang for your buck there. So those are some games we like to watch videos. When my students come into my small group space, I'll do things like matching games. Love it. Sometimes they're on the site board. Sometimes they're with cards. We play bingo a lot. We, this year, I got all my sight words on Candyland cards. And so we play Candyland quite a bit using those. And we'll do phonics embedded in that. So if the kids can only hold two sounds or they're just learning and words per se, I'm going to have all the and sight words as well as all the and words out there that they can figure out. My favorite thing is like a little, you put tiny, tiny words and they use a magnifying glass and they have to find them and they get so excited. But again, these are sort of those routines. So really, I would say as a, or these are different ways that you can teach it. But what I would say is that as a teacher, get a routine and stick to it. It's that systematic approach. When the students come into my lessons, we're probably starting our lesson right away with the sight words. We're going to do a review or it's the practice day and we're taking those anywhere from two to five minutes and working on them. And then we're going to move on to reading them in the text, finding them there and what you're actually doing with them for the day. I love that. Does that make sense? So helpful. You know, you give a ton of examples of things teachers can do, even if you only see your students a couple times a week, you know, just all that you're able to pack in in those two to five minutes is huge. And I think that's that we don't want to miss opportunities, you know, really finding ways that, like you're saying, we talking about before, after, just giving them that release of responsibility that they're they're becoming a teacher as well. Sounds just wonderful. So Thank you, Leslie, so much. And we actually, Leslie and I have been working on a site word resource. So we'll link that in the show notes if you are interested in just seeing more of kind of this routine or how to really make the most of your time with your students this year on site word practice. We have that in the show notes. So thank you so much, Leslie. And we will hopefully have you back on the show again and maybe talk about co-teaching next time. I'd love to. Thanks so much for having me today. And I love talking about sight words, high frequency words, whatever you want to call them, but just know what they are. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. All right. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.